0: It's our belief that the overwhelming majority of existing digital assets are securities and it's our goal to be able to support trading and custody of those digital assets under the federal securities laws. So as I mentioned before, it's our belief that everything besides for Bitcoin is basically a security and we would like to be able to support those assets. I think what's happened in other sort of STO platforms is they're trying to create new issuances, which then they have to allow to grow and then have to allow for trading to sort of mature and develop there.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. What is up? I am your host, Charlie Shrem, and you're listening and watching another epic episode of The Charlie Shrem Show. Where together, you and I, we sit back, relax, and twice a week, we dive deep with some of Bitcoin and crypto's most influential leaders, those who are trailblazing, trendsetters, building out all the cool technologies and products that we're seeing today. Those who are joining us, who are coming from different industries, coming with their experience, their, their expertise, all their education, connections, relationships, trust, and everything like that into our industry to help us get to the next level. Today, we're actually going to be talking to, to an awesome guy, Aaron Kaplan. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
0: Uh, thank you very much for having me, Charlie.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's really exciting what you're doing. You're the CEO and co-founder of Prometheum, parent company of SEC and Finder registered digital asset securities trading platform, Prometheum ATS. You served as counsel to a leading law firm. I can't even pronounce it. What's, what's the name of the law firm?
0: Gus Ray Kaplan.
1: PLLC, and you focused on distributed ledger technology and the securities industry and related regulatory issues, you fully understand crypto, blockchains, securities law. You are involved in a bunch of really cool startups that involve raising equity for video game companies when the Jobs Act got got changed that allows for microfinancing and, and things like that. And that eventually led into people are saying, maybe we can apply those securities laws to to where crypto is today, hopefully, and we don't need new laws. I mean, that would be that's that would be awesome, and I think you're you're a believer of that. Uh, you built this really cool company, Prometheum, that is a full end-to-end ecosystem for compliant trading, custody, settlement of all type of security tokens, digital asset securities. Really, kind of where most of the industry will be at 2024 and the next years thereafter. And so, Aaron, thanks for coming on the show. Can you really believe that all the current security laws can be applied to crypto and the regulators will be happy with that and we can we can move forward as an industry?
0: Obviously, it's not a perfect fit, but I think it's it's 98% of the way there. When it comes to regulation of trading and custody and the creation of digital assets, I think that the securities laws provide the best framework. Now, the only issue that might be a little bit hard to put the cat back in the bag is what do you do with all these? unregistered tokens or these, you know, <laughs> arguably uh, tokens that have certain compliance issues because they weren't issued compliantly under the federal securities laws. And I think that will have to be determined over time. But it's my belief and it's always been our belief that the federal securities laws were the best framework to regulate the issuance, trading, clear and settlement custody of digital assets. And that's what we set out to build in 2017 after the Dow report came out.
1: What was so important about that Dow report? It was the first time that the SEC basically
0: said that digital asset activities could implicate the federal securities laws. And if we read through the lines, they basically said it likely did. And that the intermediary, actually the intermediaries, meaning the financial service providers in the space could potentially be operating as unlicensed broker dealer making a commission off the purchase and sale of securities. So it was the first time that the SEC gave an indication that the federal securities laws actually applied. And that was sort of the uh, catalyst to start Prometheum and uh, build out this ecosystem.
1: I remember that. I remember when that Dow report came out and that was such a, a scary time because, like you said, you hit the nail right on the head. You have thousands of blockchains out there, tens of thousands of tokens. Most of them probably are, you know, things that are shady, scammy and probably should have never been built, but they're out there anyways. But you also have a lot of really good projects, things that are out there that are being built by some amazing teams that are backed by some some really great VC funds and, and angel investor syndicates people that are building these things are are like yourself that are really coming with the experience you're we're not children anymore but they're out there so how do you how do you think and this is like the question right now, I think in 2023 is like, is there some sort of like mechanism in which, you know, you're in, you're in New York, you sometimes see it's, hey, if you have an illegal gun, you can sell it back to the police station. And like, there's no questions asked. They just want to take the guns off the streets or something like that. Is there some mechanism in which like tokens that are out there can kind of go through like an SEC, you know, car wash per se, get, get clearance or whatever?
0: I think that's probably the hardest component of it. Let's take the existing tokens and their status as as how they would sort of reverse engineer registration under the securities laws, because I think that's an issue that will be played out over time. But when it comes to the actual life cycle of a trade, the trading, the settlement, and the custody of digital assets, uh, I think that there's significant clarity and the overall majority of the existing federal securities laws will be perfectly suited to, uh, or are perfectly suited to regulate those activities. Uh, I think what we've seen in the space is a lot of the issues arose from the actual trading venues and the custodial venues and potential, you know, conflicts of interest, excessive risk, uh, commingling, et cetera. Uh, and I think that the best way to move forward and sort of, uh, I guess, people might argue that we're out of the crypto winter in some capacity uh, because of the you know the run that's been in the past uh, couple months, but. Yeah. I think it's the best way forward for the investing public to feel comfortable participating in the space because uh, one of the biggest issues is that you're a real industry if you're gaining or losing money, not based on your own decisions, but because the financial intermediary you're using uh, goes belly up. So there needs to be compliant trading venues and custodial venues for digital assets under the securities laws, which I think is happening. The SEC has come out with releases for the trading of digital assets under the three-step release and the custody of digital assets under the special purpose broker-dealer release, which is, I think, where on the special purpose broker-dealer side, where you'll have the uh, most significant significant movement in the coming months with uh, sort of this transition away from the Wild West crypto financial services ecosystem to one regulated under the securities laws.
1: So I guess I want to take a step back here and understand how this all works. it's like where we people do this like back of the napkin how we test for a token to try to figure out if something's a security i think like the whole that whole way of thinking is wrong right it's not that something is or isn't a security it's it's a more involved in the funds flow process right and it's it's this whole other thing and there's so much that i don't know i don't even know where to start and ask the question but with you having a full end-to-end solution, is that will that help projects actually launch in a fully compliant way and make their tokens tradable at the same time?
0: So let me, let me qualify that. We have Prometheum ATS is licensed as an ATS to publicly trade digital asset securities. Another one of our subsidiaries, Prometheum Capital, is in the process of becoming a special purpose broker dealer and obtaining the license. Uh, we hope to be the first one to obtain that license in the space. And once we have the special purpose broker-dealer license, we'll be able to list, or I should say support trading because it's an ATS, it's not an exchange. Uh, That's a legal technicality. You'll be able to support trading of digital assets publicly, and then you'll also be able to custody those digital assets and settle the digital asset transactions that occur on your ATS. So at that point, you have built a compliant market infrastructure that will allow for trading and custody of digital assets to occur compliantly under the federal securities laws. Uh, and I think that's a major step forward because uh, what we've seen in the industry is a major, I guess you would say, a, a lot of a uh, stick without so much carrot. And uh, I think we're all aware that there was a lot of nefarious activities. But when you yeah. have, uh, as some people have said, uh, regulation by a thousand cuts, it, sometimes it's hard to see the light unless you have a carrot. And I think people being approved as a special purpose broker dealer, particularly with the proposed change to the custody rule when it comes to crypto assets is really the pathway forward for compliant custody of digital asset securities or digital assets, I should say, and also a means by which that larger institutions can feel comfortable participating in the space.
1: That's, that's the whole thing, institutions. Yeah, you think?
0: I think that leads to the next wave of institutional adoption. Now, we used to, like, you know, the industry used to think, oh, you have a wave of institutional adoption, that leads to the next crypto spring. Now, obviously, it hasn't played out this time, right? But at the same time, I think that there's major institutions that are sitting on the sidelines and are just a little bit concerned from a regulatory or compliance risk standpoint that's sort of like that last little bit that prevents them from participating in the space. And if you're able to overcome that by building sort of that compliant infrastructure that allows legacy finance or you know Wall Street to participate in the digital asset space compliantly, it's really a powerful step forward. And bringing it all together by having this carrot, by having this compliant venue for custody of digital asset under the, under securities laws, meaning a special purpose broker-dealer, I think that it, it'll be a significant, significant step in, in the progress when it comes to what people would argue is a lack of regulatory clarity when it comes to regulation of the space.
1: So it's like, it's not just someone going out and buying tokens. This will allow folks that have their money in 401ks, on IRAs, but also larger institutions like family offices, it gives them a way to hold crypto and certain type of crypto on their balance sheets. What are we going through this, this past like, year? We've been going through this like, balance sheet run. You know, from, we're all looking at our bank's balance sheets now. Where's our banks holding their money? You know? and We're seeing all these bank runs and things like that. In crypto, we saw the same thing eight months ago. It, it, it was the same essential thing. But that, that gives me a thought. Do you think some of these crypto intermediaries that went belly up wouldn't have gone belly up if the transparency about what was being done with their assets had to be like more front and center? And that, that would have come with regulation, right? Because in securities, it's very regulated, like what you tell the investor and how the information is displayed. That's part of the laws.
0: Sure. So you have the disclosure component in what has to be told to an investor when making an investment decision. Uh, whether it's a primary or a secondary issuance, and that's often taken care of in the registration component. There, now beyond that, if you follow Chairman Gensler's arguments, right, and if we play this out, Chairman Gensler has said that the overwhelming majority of digital assets are securities, and that essentially there is no need for new legislation, as he believes, or he's he's intimated that essentially the federal securities laws are perfectly suited to regulate digital assets. I agree with both those statements. The issue is, is that okay, if the the overwhelming majority of digital assets are securities, so you need a place to compliantly trade these digital assets. And that would occur on what I would say, if it's a security, it would have to be on an ATS, meaning an alternative Uh. trading system, or an exchange. But that's just the first part, because you can't have trading unless you have a compliant means of custody and settlement of those trades, right, of those assets and trades. So in order for really the industry to move forward, you don't just need the ATS, which they're there exists ATS out there, a few, you know, not many that could publicly trade digital asset securities, but they don't have the counterpart on the custody side that would allow them to actually flourish and properly trade those digital assets. And that's why I think that uh, having the special purpose broker dealer is basically, uh, to use a, a bit of a cliche term, the genesis of this, this massive, tra- this like major transition away from Uh, the intermediaries that have operated in gray areas or outside the law or as money service bureaus uh, to ones that are actually regulated under the securities laws where actually investors could be protected and everything else can occur that will allow the industry to mature and get that institutional participation to
1: occur. Not only that, and and this is the, the one exciting thing that you probably haven't mentioned yet, is that you'll be able to connect to the legacy financial system in a much more comfortable way where the banks will be okay with it. Right now, as an American crypto holder, other than Coinbase, there's almost no way to buy and sell crypto right now. Bitcoin and crypto, how do you... I mean, someone tell me. There's there's almost... It's impossible. So you have one monopolized player. And so now with you, do you think that you'll be able to 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 allow people once you launch to trade, which I guess Bitcoin... And maybe Ethereum that are okay. We know they're not securities or whatever.
0: The way I think about it is you have to put Bitcoin in its own category. I think beyond that, everything that is a smart contract based network token, meaning eth and its progeny, all qualify as securities in my mind. And Chairman Gensler has mentioned that uh, you know the transition to proof of stake makes Ethereum more likely to be a security. yada, yada, yadi. Uh, I, <laughs> that's funny. I made a Seinfeld reference by accident. Yeah, that's okay. um, <laughs>
1: But,
0: but uh, essentially, I think that if we take at everything besides for Bitcoin and assume that those are securities, essentially, we should be able to support all those assets. And I think that actually having a compliant venue that's regulated under the securities laws basically eliminates a lot of the concerns that, like you mentioned, on the banking side it has and, and also on the institutional side. Because... There, you know, that there's proper compliance and licensing, and not just that, but proper oversight. Now, I I would argue that while, you know, money service bureau and money transmitter licensure was the way forward in, you know, uh, 2015 or so, I, I think it's been pretty clear that the, I don't know if the money service bureau or the money transmitter licensure regime is best suited to actually. Uh, oversee and regulate the day-to-day activities of what's really a securities exchange. And I think that having that regulation and oversight by the SEC uh, will allow those larger banks and institutions to feel much more comfortable participating in the space or providing services to the space.
1: I'm really excited that this podcast, The Charlie Shrem Show, is now powered by Waxman. I think I met the CEO, David Waxman, back in 2015 or something at an Ethereum meetup, and he told me that the future belongs to the fearless. And that is why they are producing the show right by my side. What an amazing team we have now. It's so amazing. You guys have been hearing some great updates. and have been following along. If you don't know, Waxman is the leading global strategy and communications firm advising the next generation of companies in Web3, disruptive technology, Bitcoin, crypto, fintech, artificial intelligence and venture capital. Waxman's clients are ambitious leaders and businesses that are on the frontier of this whole new economy because they really do believe that the future belongs to us and we're the ones building it. With services across everything from digital marketing, public relations, social media, investor relations, financial communications, recruiting, and public affairs, they're helping companies and individuals like myself seize the business opportunities that we deserve overcome challenges that we all are going to face and achieve sustained success. Head over to Waxman to learn more. You guys are going to love them. We have them in the show notes. Check it all out. It's w a c h s m a n.com. That's w a c h s m a n.com. Dude, you are you are speaking my language. I've been saying that forever. Th- these the securities laws, that's why it's almost like you have crypto companies that have been resistant to to like coming into compliance with a lot of these securities laws because they thought it would damper the creativity and the the culture of being able to like throw things at the wall to see what sticks. But on the other side, most regulators are just normal civil servants that want to do right by, you know, consumers and they want to make sure that customers don't lose money because then their jobs are at, on the hook. So there's while there's some sides in both parties that have been naturally resistant to these things, it should be, it should have come together a very long time ago. And a lot of the issues that have happened within our ecosystem in the last two years could have been prevented if both sides came together a lot. And there's, there's probably, you know, it's like two brothers and sisters that just are fighting and they should just come together and it'll, it's like inevitable. You know what I mean? And so here you're saying there's a special new broker dealer framework that could solve all of this. And not only could, it seems like you're going through that approval process now and everything like that. That's really exciting going into 2023.
0: Yeah. That, I, so the actual special purpose broker dealer release came out, I believe they called it the Christmas release at the time because it came out right around Christmas 2020. And then it's adopted into the federal register, meaning it's law It's in April 2021. So this has existed, but I would say that the The mentality and the focus wasn't on the potential regulatory components uh, because of how I guess you would argue that just regulation and business plays out in general in the normal course of action. I mean, the industry at one point argued that regulation kills innovation, but essentially they had runaway "quote unquote" innovation, which basically almost caused the industry to commit harakiri. And as a result. Now you have regulation and they say, oh, we have death by a thousand cuts in regulation. But for a long time you were able to sort of have a hall pass. And you are not you, but you know, the general, the industry as a as a whole, uh, arguably took advantage of that hall pass to the detriment of investors. And now they have the the pendulum has swung back significantly harder the other way, where you can argue that everything is hyper-regulated now.
1: You are so right in what you're saying. You're you're hitting the nail right on the head of like you're describing you know like the 2017 to 2021 years it's like we took we definitely took advantage as a, as an industry and we're seeing that that play out now because the the wheels of justice are slow and i'm a, i'm a perfect example of that and so here we are at this like culmination now and it's cool because finra started as a self-regulatory body that was absorbed into a quasi government like type of regulator too so isn't it like Almost kind of cool that was. Uh, that that's how that's where it's turning out. Yeah, it, I, I think that it's
0: interesting. I'm glad, like you know, for in the, for a long time the industry was, let's say, it was saying, let's make our own SROs to govern our, you know, our own issues. But that's like sort of the uh, pharmaceutical industry making their own laws about how they can, uh, you know, take doctors out to dinner. I, I think that regretfully, a lot of people were hurt and financially, and they shouldn't have been. Uh, in the recent debacles of 2022. But as a result of that, you will actually have the proper protections that are required under the federal securities laws that are really purpose built to ensure full and fair disclosure, ensure fair and orderly markets, ensure customer funds and assets are properly segregated, secured, and custodied. Uh, and all these things are really necessary for the industry to move forward.
1: Yeah, there's a reason that all these things need to exist. I, I have to ask. You spent your career on Wall Street, securities, law, various startups, and and you fully understand what attracted you to, to digital assets, not only like attracted you to it, but like take its biggest problem right now and try to like spin it into building out this Wall Street 2.0, if you will.
0: Yeah, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, <laughs> it's worked out such that our viewpoint has or our thesis has become essentially where we believe regulation's going. But when we started and we were saying, you know, uh, when we were in, started in the space in 2013, 2014, essentially, everyone thought we were crazy. <laughs> like Full on, <laughs> people look like you, like you had three heads. And it's really interesting because uh, when we first... So basically, the reason we got into the space is because I was seeing the evolution in technologies, different trading, and basically the use of distributed architectures in market infrastructure. So that was the initial interest there. But then when you started to explore the potential opportunities more and more, what you realized was that uh, this was potentially the biggest sort of transition or opportunity or or moment in markets since the transition to electronic trading. And without knowing it consciously, like, you know, as a subconscious thing, you want to be involved with this thing that has a lot of energy. There's a lot of intellectual activity. There's a lot of, you know, just positivity around it so initially we wrote a no action letter to the sec in and this was at the law firm uh in april 2014 i believe asking yeah. them to allow us to transact bitcoin through a brokerage account and an ats so uh yeah which was basically i think one of the first times that anyone had actually written to the sec to basically take a compliant route to be actually able to transact and custody digital assets under the securities laws now at the time we were bed bugged but it was always our belief specifically that the federal securities laws were best to regulate the space. And that's why we continued with our head down.
1: What I don't understand is going back from, from the days of Mt. Gox, you had these major companies like FTX, Voyager, and you see it even every day with like all the FUD with Tether and Binance and everything. It all comes down to like this whole, whole like bank run thing. But you mentioned this rule with securities regulations of no commingling of assets. And that's what happened with all of these things. It's just commingling of assets. How did all their securities attorneys and at all these huge companies just not say, hey, let's just make sure you're keeping depositor money in a separate bucket or something like that? How is there such an epic failure on that part?
0: The, the question is, did they have securities attorneys or did they have attorneys that were basically just trying to make sure that they didn't come under the purview of the federal securities law?
1: There's, There's a, a distinction huge distinction. There. Please you know what explain What? That. <laughs>
0: So on one side, you have for a long time, people were getting letters whereby, you know, a law firm or some white shoe law firm would write a letter saying this isn't a security or it's our legal opinion. This isn't a security. And they would use that as, you know, that would be their marching cry and that would be their understanding and their reasoning as to why the securities laws don't apply. Now, that's a potential ancillary security attorney at best. I mean that's not actually um securities attorney who's dealing with the day-to-day activity, the molecular activities of broker dealers, of clearing firms, et cetera. So I don't know if those people necessarily had the experience. And it was more a question of how do we avoid coming under the purview of the federal securities laws instead of saying, oh, how yeah. do we basically integrate the you know the the lessons and the you know the generations of experience and time tested rules of the securities laws in order to actually protect investors because I, I think we could probably agree that for a long time the idea was not how to protect investors it was how to make money yeah. hand over fist yeah face.
1: that's true well now we've all grown up and hopefully with the launch of prometheum we can show that we're ready for the next level and so if you're a project out there and you have like a really good idea to launch some some decentralized mechanism for insurance and you have like a incentive layer that involves a token is it possible to even do that with Prometheum now? Like, what would, what rules would you have to follow? Like, how would you deal with token economics and things like that? Investing.
0: There's a lot of interesting points there. In a different lifetime, Promethea was one of the first companies to file a reggae plus for a token. Oh, very cool. Maybe four or five. Yeah. But uh, we sort of got bedbug there. But I think that there is a, legal compliant methodology by which you can register a digital asset so to in my in that estimate there the question is is how do you properly register or choose an exemption for under the securities laws that basically allows you to i guess be compliant with the creation of your asset you could do that through an s1 you could do that through a reg a plus uh you probably want to do it through some sort of regulation or exemption that gives you the ability to publicly trade those assets That's what's really important because it's not just the issuance, it's actually allowing for secondary trading of that asset, right? So that, I think, is important there. But I believe last week there was something in the news about a, I don't know what it was, it was a fractionalized art project maybe getting approved for a reggae Yeah, you
1: have like Masterworks and things like that. And then you have, I don't know if you've heard of INX, they have like a a similar company like you, they're an ATS and a broker-dealer that allows for like the launch of security tokens. We've had them on a show too, and they're really cool. And so I'm excited to see more and more. You guys are doing this in a, in a very different way, which I really like. If you go to stomarket.com, there's like a few hundred security tokens out there that are really cool, but there still isn't the volume. Why? It's like, how do you attract the same volume that you see on decentralized exchanges? You, you need to be able to accept like very frictionless Methods for having new customers and accepting capital from all over the world. Right. I
0: I would say that Prometheum has a bit of a distinction there in that it's our belief that the overwhelming majority of existing digital assets are securities. And it's our goal to be able to support trading and custody of those digital assets under the federal securities laws. So as I mentioned before, it's our belief that everything besides for Bitcoin is basically a security. And we would like to be able to support those assets. I think what's happened in other sort of STO platforms is they're trying to create new issuances, which then they have to allow to grow and then have to allow for trading to sort of mature and develop there. There's a lot of digital assets that have a lot of trading going on, in my opinion, in in a pseudo or non-compliant manner, and we'll be able to service that in a compliant manner. Whereas I think on the other side, basically people are issuing what I would call uh, tokenized securities, which is basically a security that's issued, like, you know, a traditional equity or the like that's issued via yeah. cryptographic token, as opposed to a cryptographic token that has a utility that actually is also just a security because it's a, you know, it, it qualifies
1: under the Howey test. Tokenized treasury bills. That's what, that's what everyone wants right now. They pay 5%. Aaron, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and and coming on the show today and and tell us what you got going on with, with Prometheum and your background. And honestly, personally, made me very optimistic about the future because I don't come across companies like you very often. I've done 365 episodes. You're probably one of two or three companies that you know what you're talking about. And I like that you're going from the most strict way down instead of like from the, hey, let's figure out how to like not be a security token.
0: Oh, I appreciate it. And I would say just in the next, you know, five, 10 years, what we'll see happen is just the development of a national market system for digital assets. Amazing. And this is hopefully the, uh, you know, the genesis of that process and the transition away from the uh, wild west crypto financial services infrastructure to one that's regulated under the securities law such that people could be properly protected you
1: said it you said it right there well thank you again and i'll talk to everyone soon